All right, good morning, church. I want to invite you to stand with us as we sing and praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ is Lord. Merry Christmas. Let's celebrate today.
stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who'd come to the Father joyful expectation as we celebrate the birth of your son Christ what we really celebrate is his life his death on the cross his resurrection and your word says that for all those who believe we have been resurrected with you so my my prayer for today church is that simply we would see the glories of God that we would hear his truths proclaimed and that every man woman and child will be drawn closer to him that the believers here would see him as more valuable than they did an hour ago. And for those of you that maybe have never heard the gospel of Christ, that you would see it for what it is, something glorious, something wonderful, something to be treasured. So, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, so that as we sing, as we pray, as we celebrate these truths together, that your name will be magnified, the name of Jesus, the Christ, above all other things in our hearts and our minds and that you would be glorified here today. Let nothing else happen apart from that truth. Let's sing. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus played and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance
true today church yes amen you may be seated now after jesus was born in bethlehem of judea in the time of herod the king wise men from the east came to jerusalem and said where is the one who has been born king of the jews we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him when, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it stood over where the young child was. And when they came in the house, they, they saw the young child with his mother Mary and bowed down to worship him. When they, then they... When they opened the treasure, they presented gifts, gold, fixes, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they shall not return to Herod, they departed for their own country on their way. Fellow scholars, you've asked the question, what child is this? And yes, that is the question. That question was the driving force behind our lengthy journey. We had to know what child this is. And now I know. Dear friends, we've been described as wise by many that we've only briefly encountered on our journey. I hesitate to give too much credence to their, their judgment. For it is known, or it should be known, that wisdom is best obtained by opening one's eyes and closing one's mouth. Dear friends, may I suggest then that you close your mouths and open your ears as I attempt to clearly answer your question. One, finding that child was no accident. It was the equivalent of a needle in a haystack. And how do we find that needle? By following a star. By which most people's assessment would be an errand of fools. We are no fools. That star moved by some unforeseen force. And who can move stars but God? Two, we spoke to that conniving king. He said he wanted us to find the child so that he could worship him. Dear friends, do kings worship children? They do not. Kings defend their thrones. And that king, that king, Herod, is a cruel and ruthless tyrant. It does not take a wise man to discern that. 
he believes that child is his enemy. And mark my words, the child is an enemy to the cruel and to the ruthless. And three, I have no words for three. My entire life I have searched. I've tried to study to discern what is true and what is right. I've tried to own that for myself, but it's always been just beyond the horizon of my knowing. But then, in an instant, I crossed the threshold, and, and there it was. That father, that mother, the star, and oh, the child. It was, after all my searching, after all my study, it was there. It was all there in that child. How could I do anything but worship him? I need to search no more. sing 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. For giving. For giving. Thank you for your giving. The Lottie Moon offering. Toward Lottie Moon. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But most importantly, due to your generosity, we've been able to share God's word with those around us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, First Baptist Church of Church in Riverside, California. Because you gave, I'm able to access remote areas of Central Asia and explain the gospel with people God is already drawing to himself. With your help, we are bringing light to the dark places among unreached people groups. Because of what you've given, it allows me to share this gospel with as many Central Asians as I can across London. Your giving allows our organization to provide need for refugees and to give them hope. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering so that we can buy Bibles in Arabic that we use with our Discovery Bible study with non-believers. Because of your generosity, African women are hearing stories from God's Word while henna is being drawn on their hands and arms. And because of your giving, the life changes that we see through faith in Jesus Christ, that happens because of your gifts. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and helping to provide this wonderful water filter here in Northern Thailand. Your giving allows me to continue with my medical license here in Ghana, where I can not only do surgeries, but also the patients have the opportunity to hear the gospel. So thank you. Because of your giving, I'm able to speak to these thousand kids every Wednesday morning. Thank you. Thank you, First thank Baptist, Baptist Church. Thank you, Faith Promise Church. Thank you, Christina Baptist Church. Thank you for giving to Latimu. Thank you, and God bless you. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to you. I hope everyone had a good Christmas. Glad to have you. See, everyone just went great. But glad that you're here with us today. Um, again, we want to say thank you again for giving the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. There's still opportunity for you to do that. We encourage you to do so. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering is for the Southern Baptist Convention. We use that money to fund many of the things that you saw in that video. Uh, that the gospel will go out to the ends of the earth, and that is funded entirely from giving from churches, from you giving. We, that money goes straight out to them, and 100% of everything that happens uh, internationally with missions comes from your giving. So we want to encourage you to be prayerful about how you can give uh, for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering um, yeah, in this last week or so here of uh 2021 it is 2021 correct 22 is next year is that right i'm getting confused uh but uh but please uh be in be in prayer for that we encourage you to to do that um in just a second i'm going to ask pastor ryan to come up and he is going to share the word with us we um 
through the month of December, we've been doing a Christmas series um, on uh, what comes from Christmas, really, in Jesus, what Jesus gives us, uh, who he makes us to be uh, in him. And we've been able to hear from different uh, pastors on staff share the word today. So Pastor Ryan's going to come up here in just a moment and wrap that up for us. Uh, but it's been such a great time just to hear from these men share the word and then hear, uh, again, what great and amazing things come from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So, uh, so Ryan, I'm going to ask you to come up. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, all of that. And then I'm going to cut you loose and let you go, all right? So, Lord, we just thank you uh, for today. We thank you, God, for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We thank you, Lord, for what it means, what it represents. We thank you, God, for the sacrificial giving that's happened in this church. We pray, God, that more will rise up to accomplish that so we'll be able to see the gospel go out to the ends of the earth. And I pray, God, for us here today as we gather to hear your word Uh, here in our little corner of the world, Lord, that you would open up our hearts to receive from you. Holy Spirit, that you would speak so clearly and powerfully to us and that we would hear and receive and walk in faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open with me to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. And and, and as you're turning there, um, I wonder, is there anybody in the room who likes Hallmark movies? We haven't any Hallmark, okay, we got some Hallmark fans. All right, now, if you like Hallmark movies, then you know there's a difference between Hallmark movies and Christmas Hallmark movies, right? All right, there's a distinct difference, and here's the thing, my my wife loves Christmas Hallmark movies. I mean, she loves them, and so we, we have pretty much kept them on in the background just during this, you know, throughout the day, and so I've probably, against my will, seen eight or nine of these things. And, and, and let's, let's just be honest, they're bad, all right? They're, they're bad. I mean, they're, they're objectively bad movies. I mean, they're, the, the, the acting's bad, the, the dialogue is cheesy, the plot is unimaginative, right? It's all bad. And yet, yet we, we watch them. We, we, we like them to some degree, right? And, and, and here's the thing, they, they all pretty much follow the same storyline right there's a girl maybe she's a little frumpy maybe she's a little shy she's got clothes that are two sizes too big on she's got some thick glasses and she meets the guy and you always know the guy I mean it's like the second he pops on the screen you kind of go oh so you're who she's going to marry you know like you just you you know and so in fact for me watching these movies is kind of like watching the Titanic right like I already know what's going to happen but you're just kind of slightly interested in how they get there. And so, you know, there, here's the guy, right? He pops on. And, 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 and lately, Hallmark's really been on this kind of um, uh, royal family prince vibe, right? It's almost as if every girl fantasizes about marrying a prince. And so um, either this girl, you know, prince meets the girl. She's either a little unassuming or, you know, she's just some commoner. So prince moves on. Circumstances bring them back together. You know, the prince falls in love with her personality, boom, she hits the pretty woman transformation, and pow, they get married, right? Like, that's, that's love. Or rather, this is Hollywood's hallmark portrayal of love. And the problem is that even though we know this is bad, and we know this is cheesy and fake, we still allow this version of love that we're being sold to resonate within our hearts and minds. And we think, yes, that. That's what I need. This is love. 
We do this. We do this in our romantic relationships, and if we're not careful, we'll do it with God too. So what I want us to do this morning is I want to establish a biblical definition of love and then dive a little bit deeper into how great God's gift of love is for us. So before we do that, before we get to Romans 5, stay there. Before we do that, I just want to lay out a biblical definition for you. Um, But before we get there, hold on, back it up. Back it up, slides. Help me out. You're giving away the secrets. You can't unwrap the present before you read the card, okay? All right. Thank you. Okay, so before we get to the definition, I want to clear up what love is not. All right, so here we go. Love. The majority of our culture believes that love is is something based upon uh, what, a, a philosophy that goes all the way back to ancient Rome and Greece, and there's this silly little guy named Cupid. Anybody heard of Cupid? If you haven't, don't Google him. It's a weird naked baby, all right? Just, it's weird. But, uh, so you may, and you may think it's silly. You're like, you know, Ryan, I don't believe in naked babies throwing around, flying around, shooting arrows at people, but well, hold on. Let, let's take a closer look here because... Uh, this is the philosophy of the Greco-Roman myth of romantic love, right? That Cupid would fly around, and he would shoot his arrow, and once you got hit with Cupid's arrow, then you were filled with this overwhelming and uncontrollable passion. And, and here's the thing, you have no agency in this process. It's out of your control. So let's do some audience participation right now this morning. I, 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 need, I need some audience participation. Nod your head if you've heard any of the following phrases. We don't choose who we fall in love with. The heart wants what it wants. This thing is bigger than the both of us. Follow your heart. This is the myth of love. That you are going around living your life until one day you are hit with an overwhelming, uncontrollable passion. There's nothing you can do to resist, and and then boom, right? You fall in love. And it's always in pursuit of the one, right? Always hoping that that you're going to fall for the one, always looking for the one. People bounce from relationship to relationship in pursuit of the one. But what's the problem with the one? You can never objectively know whether or not you've met them. And so a year or two into your marriage, when things suddenly start to get difficult, and you no longer feel this chemical, emotional response, what's the immediate assumption? I must have married the wrong one. And when you function in this framework, what it means is that no marriage is safe. If Cupid strikes me, I I can't resist I'm I'm sorry, honey, I'm sorry, babe, you know, but I I met this person, and there's this uncontrollable passion, and and we don't choose who we love, and the heart wants what it wants, and this thing is bigger than both of us, and that's not love. Love is this. Are you with me now? Here we go. Love is this, an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. An act of the will, that means that there's a choice. Accompanied by emotion, right? It's not devoid of emotion. It's not cold rationality. There's an emotional component to love. But the key is that it's not driven by emotion. The emotion, the emotion is in submission to the will, and it leads to action on behalf of its object. It's like this. I love my wife. 
I do. I love my wife. That's a choice I made. And in loving my wife, it brings me joy to see her happy. So because I love my wife, I will do the dishes. I will take out the trash. I will give her back massages. Why? Because I love her. It's an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. And what we're going to see is we're going to dive into God's word, and we're going to see this kind of love on display. So Romans chapter 5, you've got your finger there. We're going to start in verse 6. If you're with me, say word. All right, let's get into it. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, we were, uh, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also in God uh, rejoice in Christ Jesus, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The first thing I want you to know about God's gift of love this morning is that God's love is unmerited. It is unmerited. Listen to how God's word describes us here in Romans 5. He says we were weak, ungodly sinners. If there is one thing that God is clearly trying to communicate to us here, it's that Jesus died for us when we were not worthy of it. Right? That, that there was nothing attractive about us that made him look our way. Right? There, there, was, there was nothing redeemable about us. We, we weren't putting our best foot forward. We weren't trying our best. We, we were weak. We were helpless, ungodly sinners. And the only reason that we have the gift of God's love this morning is because of his grace. It is totally, completely unmerited. And it makes me think of Santa. It makes me think of Santa. I don't want to get myself in trouble here. Um, I don't know what your family does this time of the year. Uh, we don't really do Santa, but I'm not entirely against Santa, right? I actually searched for him personally far longer than I care to admit. Um, so I, I, I'm not against the tradition of Santa. Um, I don't go running for the remote every time I see a bearded guy with a red suit uh, show up on the screen. I got nothing against milk and cookies. No carrots. I got big problems of carrots, but milk and cookies, those are, those are good to stay I got nothing against the tradition of Santa. However, I've got, a, I've got a big problem with the teaching of Santa. Because the teaching of Santa goes like what? He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Why? Because Santa gives gifts and presents to all of the good little boys and girls. To all of the children who make the nice list. But what if you don't make the cut? Right? What happens if you are found on the naughty list? Cole. And so we laugh, attract me, because what, what happens is we instill in our children from an early age that your reward is dependent upon your obedience and your ability to please us. And those children become adults who take this same philosophy into their marriages, and they take this same philosophy into their theology. 
that love is the reward for when I do what other people want me to do. Love is the reward for when I please others. Love is the reward when I obey God. Love is the reward when I please God. And it's not just in the positive, right? It goes into the negative as well, right? Because what's the opposite of love? Hate. And so when we drop the ball, right, when we fail to please others, when we fail to do what God desires for us, we assume that the consequences of our failure is hate, a justified and deserved hate because of our inadequacy, right? We'll accept abuse in relationships because we somehow believe it's our fault. We, we expect tension and distance and a withholding attitude from our Heavenly Father when we fail, not love. Love is the last thing that we deserve, and it goes deeper. It goes deeper because not only does it affect how we view ourselves in light of our ability to measure up, but now we take this same philosophy into our understanding and treatment of other people. Right? There's someone in this room this morning who you saw them when you walked in here, and you went to the other side of the room because you did not want to see them. Maybe you're even up in the balcony right now. Right, like th There's someone here who at some point or another failed to measure up to your standards of what is acceptable and pleasing behavior. They got on your naughty list, and you've kept them there. You don't want to talk to them. If you pass them in the hallway, you, you lock your eyes on the doors. And the worst part is that you feel justified in your withholding nature. You feel justified in your unloving spirit towards that person because they didn't please you. So they don't deserve love. They deserve hate. I got no problems with the, with the tradition of stanza, but I got big problems. God save us from his teaching. We say to our kids, listen to me right now. Please me or you're not getting any Christmas presents. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. We've done this. Christmas Eve we did this, okay? I, I, I am in need of, of God's help too, but this is what happens, right, is that we preach to our kids a legalistic anti-gospel that says, do this if you want love. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 you don't deserve this, but I love you. You were ugly and filthy and disobedient. You were in direct rebellion against me. You hated me. You brought shame to my name. You, you, you spoke all manner of evil against me. But I choose love. No, you don't deserve it. You've done nothing to earn it. But take it. That is the gift of God's love. It is totally unmerited, only by his grace. And once we've received the gift of love from God, then we're filled with that same kind of unconditional love, the love that God produces in us by his Holy Spirit, and we are empowered then to choose love with other people. You see, to go back to where we started, if love is not a choice, if love is just something that happens, then I have no power to obey God's commands. How can I love others when I'm waiting for Cupid to shoot me with his arrow? Mark 12, 31, Jesus commands us to love our neighbors as ourselves. God, how can I love my neighbor if I hate them? How can I love my neighbor if, if they don't please me? How can I love them if they don't deserve it? You can love them because love is a choice, an act of the will. Jesus gives us his love, fills us with it, and empowers us to choose love. We were weak 
helpless, ungodly sinners. But Jesus chose love. Who is God calling you to choose love toward this morning? God's love is unmerited. Second, second, God's love is costly. God's love is costly. Look back at, at verse 6 with me. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for even a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, don't miss this. We, we were weak, ungodly sinners whom Jesus chose love toward, but how did he love us? Look at verse 8. Romans 5, 8 is my favorite verse in the entirety of the Bible. But God shows, but God demonstrates, but God puts on display his love for us. How? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died. How did Jesus love us? How did he show his love? By laying down his life. I know you're saying, come on, Ryan, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. I got my kids with me. My grandma's over there. Don't talk about death, right? We're talking about, it's Jesus' birthday. Shouldn't we be talking about life? But I want you to hear the words the angel spoke to Joseph. If you were here Christmas Eve, you remember Pastor Brad saying these. In Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Yes, we are talking about Jesus' birthday. But the point of Christmas is not the manger, it's the cross. Yes, Jesus was born a baby, the Son of God took on flesh, and we celebrate that, we praise God for that, but Jesus didn't stay a baby. He grew up and became a man. And that man died on a cross for us. And this, this may sound heretical, don't throw stones at me yet, but Jesus is God's love child. Let me explain. When a husband and wife come together and, and, and we, they, a child comes about, we generally refer to that child as a product of their love, as the result, the fruit of their love. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loved the world, and because God loved the world, he sent Jesus. Jesus' coming was the result, the product, the fruit of God's love. It was love that compelled his birth and love that completed his death. A baby born to die. You know, yesterday was Christmas, and, and probably the, the overwhelming majority of people in this room spent some time around the tree exchanging and opening presents. And in each, in each of those presents, each of those gifts differed in terms of value, right? And, and how do we normally attribute value to things? Money. Price tag, right? How much did they cost? And, and in general, the more costly the price tag, the greater value we attach to each gift, right? Each of us, we have a, a different level of scale, right? There's, there's one level of gift for Christmas socks, 
and there's one level it gets for a new handgun, right? So like one does not equal the other. And, and what we see about the gift of God's love is that it was costly. God's love had a big price tag. And what was the price that God paid to love us? The death of his son. What does our price tag read? The precious blood of Jesus. God offers his love freely, but it didn't come without a cost. Jesus came willingly to die in our place for our sins. Why? Because he loves us. That's love in action. An act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. Jesus chose to love us. You don't think there were emotions involved in that process? You don't, you don't, you don't think there was any sort of a, a human nature? that came? Go back and re- look in the Garden of Gethsemane. Go back and look at Jesus' final hours before he was arrested. He's pleading with God to take away the cup of his wrath. So much so to the point that he's sweating droplets of blood. Jesus didn't want to endure the cross. He didn't want his father to turn his face away from him. He didn't want to do any of that if there was any other way for God to give us his love. But there wasn't. There was emotion. But his his emotion was submitted to his will. And more importantly, his will was submitted to his father's will. And so Jesus concludes in the garden, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus willingly goes to the cross to endure the wrath of God and the shame and the punishment that we deserve so that we can be saved from our sins. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's love. An act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. Do you think Jesus needed the cross? Do you think going to the cross did something for him that made him feel all warm and fuzzy inside? No, we needed the cross. He did it for us. He loves you. He he quite literally would move heaven and earth to get to you. Yes, you. You. In, in, In your jacked up, messed up state, he loves you. You and your your self-righteous, legalistic narcissism, he loves you. You and your unfaithfulness and your rebellion and your constant rejection, he loves you. And he paid for you with his blood. His love is costly. And lastly, lastly, Jesus' love, God's love, is permanent. It's permanent. Listen to the words of the prophet, Malachi 3.6. says, For I, the Lord, do not change. I've got some more here. They're not going to be on the screen, but just listen. I want you to hear what God says about God. He says, I do not change, Malachi 3, 6. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and he will not fulfill it? James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Over and over again throughout the scripture, God's word is saying, I, the Lord, do not change. This is known in theological circles as the immutability of God, his unchangingness. And so we have, I don't change, I don't change, I don't change. Then listen to Psalm 136, verse 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven, 
for his steadfast love endures forever. So God doesn't change, and his love endures for, for how long? Forever. And, and in case we didn't get it, I gave you Psalm 136, verse 26. That's the last verse in the psalm. But go back and read the whole thing. Because every single verse, this phrase is repeated. The steadfast, his steadfast love endures forever. 26 times. 26 times. That's as many letters as we have in the alphabet. From A to Z, his love endures forever. One more time for you. Isaiah 54.10. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. God's love for you is permanent. It was unmerited. You did nothing to deserve it. You can't earn it. You, you, he loved you when you were a weak and helpless and ungodly sinner. And here's the thing, you, if you can't do anything to earn it, you can't do anything to lose it. God's love for you is not based upon your obedience. It's not based upon your ability to measure up to God's standard. It's based on Jesus's. Even when we are unfaithful, even when we fall down, God's love doesn't waver. Right? He's not, he's not excited and welcoming for you one day and then cold and withholding the next. He is full out, head over heels, in love with you continuously, unwaveringly. Don't miss this. Don't miss the, the immutable, unchanging God. He who does not change has covenanted his love to you. Not even you can mess that up. So when you feel unworthy, that's okay, you are. God loves you anyways. When you fall down and mess up again, God loves you. When the enemy brings accusations against you, God loves you. Your faults are covered in his blood. He loves you. He does not change. His love endures forever. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. He gives the gift of his unmerited, costly, and permanent love. And in the words of Jim Halpert, this is an amazing gift because it comes with bonus gifts. Look back at Romans 5 with me, verse 9. It says, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. If God's love was the gift, let me throw some stock and stuffers at you real quick, okay? For it's, it's because of God's love that we've now been justified. Justified, that's just as if I'd never sinned. It means to be declared legally innocent. Our sins are no longer counted against us. They've been removed as far as the east is from the west, and you are now as white as snow. Not only have we been legally declared innocent, but we've been saved from the wrath of God. Right? Jesus bore all the entirety of God's wrath on the cross. That's why he shouted out, Tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full. Tell me, what, what sin is there that's not covered by the blood of Jesus? Tell me. How long ago did Jesus die on the cross? Almost 2,000 years ago. Now think for a second. If Jesus died on the cross almost 2,000 years ago, how many of your sins in your life 
were committed in the future. All of them. Well, if that's the case, and, and every sin you've ever committed was after the cross that Jesus already died and paid for, then why is it that we would think that any sin we commit today is any less forgiven than any sin Jesus has already paid for? Jesus paid it all. He took on all of God's wrath. If, if you're a follower of Christ, he, he, he doesn't look at you with, with, with anger or frustration. He's not mad at you. If you're a follower of Christ, even in your broken and messed up state, he has nothing but joy and pleasure in his eyes. Not because of what you're doing, but because of what his son did. Jesus didn't just remove the wrath of God from us. He did. He took God's wrath, but he didn't stop there. He didn't just take away God's anger at us, but then he brought reconciliation and he brought us peace with God. That those of us who were far from God have been brought near. Those of us who were enemies are now friends. We're family. We're saved from the wrath. We've been reconciled and restored to God for eternity. Jesus paid it all. All because of love. Real love. Not Hollywood love, but the unmerited, costly, permanent love of God. You know, Christmas is a love story. You're not going to find this one on Hallmark, I promise you. But let, let me tell you how the story goes. You see, there's a prince, heir to the throne and the rule of his kingdom. And he's walking his streets of his kingdom. Here's the meat cute. When he encounters an ugly, filthy, and immoral woman. She offers to shine his shoes, but in the process she steals his wallet. And the woman's crime is found out and she's brought before the prince. And as they search for the woman, it was revealed that not only was she a thief, but she was a liar. She had a long history of fake identities. She was a serial adulterer, never able to maintain a long-term relationship because of her unfaithfulness. She was a murderer. She would murdered many people, some out of anger and passion, some just out of spite. They may have caught her with the wallet, but she was now on death row. The death penalty being the only just course of action in light of her crimes. And this woman, this miserable creature, is dragged before the prince and his father, the king. And they can hear her howling down the hallway before she enters the throne room. And she stumbles in. There's, she's bound in chains. Her clothes are tattered and ripped in shambles. Her breath reeks. Her teeth are yellowed, twisted, or missing. And she's drooling and spitting and hurling curses at the prince. She even tries to lunge at him, but the guards restrain her. But as the prince looks at this woman, there's no anger in his eyes. There's no disgust. No revulsion. He looks on her with compassion. And so he steps down off of the throne and approaches the woman. And she starts to shake as he approaches. He reaches out a hand, but she shrinks back. But he persists. And as he touches her face, she freezes. And she looks up 
And she sees the kindness in his eyes. And she weeps. Oh, she weeps and she weeps. And she confesses all of her crimes, even crimes they had no knowledge of. Until finally she wipes her eyes, she blows her nose, and she stands up and she says to the prince, kill me, I deserve it. The prince snaps his fingers. However, instead of the guards taking her away, they release her from her chains. Suddenly a flood of servants rush the room. They come running towards her. They strip away old rags and they clothe her in the softest white robe. And then the prince turns and looks at his father, the king. And he says in a loud and commanding voice, You've heard her crimes. You've heard her confession. You've heard her sentence. But I tell you, she is innocent. All that she is believed to be guilty of, it was I. And I will pay the penalty. The prince then takes the woman who is uncontrollably shaking by the hand. He leads her up the dais and seats her next to the king. And the prince looks at the king and says to him, your will be done. So the king snaps his fingers. The same guards march up the dais. They clamp the same chains upon the prince, and they drag him away to where he is put to death for the woman's crimes. And the woman, in shock, timidly taps the king on the arm and she whispers why love the king says a single tear falling from his eye love this is the love story of Christmas the only question is at what point in the story are you are you still caught up in your sin enslaved in chains to your crimes or have you allowed Jesus to take them from you some of you, you're already followers of Christ, but you're walking around in guilt and punishing yourselves for your crimes. And Jesus is saying, stop, stop it. I, I already died for that. God loves you. He is for you. And he desires for you to know and experience his love today. He freely offers this gift to you. What better time than now to receive the gift of God's love than at Christmas? I don't know where you're at today, but I believe that some of you, God is calling you home. Some of you, God is calling you to turn and confess and repent of sin. Some of you, God is calling to lay down this struggle in your life and to finally repent and confess and turn to him. Some of you need to receive salvation this morning. I don't know, wherever you're at, I pray you would respond as the Lord leads you. Allow me to close by reading a passage from Romans 8. Says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for an opportunity just to dwell on your love. I thank you, Lord, that we, 
don't deserve it, but you freely pour it out on us. God, I pray that we would not take it for granted, but that, Lord, we would walk in joy at what you've purchased for us. God, that we would live out of this love, that we would choose love towards those around us, and that love would well up inside of us and pour out of us, God, that we would uh, just look differently to the world because we've been so filled with your love. I ask this in the name of Jesus. I want to give you just a moment to, to continue to allow the Lord to, to speak to you, minister to your hearts. Uh, as Ryan said, uh, I have no doubt there are people in this room right now you need to trust by faith in that love that sent Jesus to the cross for your sin, the crimes that you deserve to be punished for. Today's the day that you accept that loving gift of sacrifice for you. So I'm going to ask you just one more time if we can just bow our heads. And again, if that is if that is what the Lord has been stirring in your hearts, maybe it, it comes feeling all kinds of different ways. Maybe you're filled with excitement because you realize the deliverance that is waiting for you. Maybe it comes with a little bit of fear and concern because you've been sitting in this church for many, many, many years and you realize today that you've never actually trusted by faith in Christ to take away your sins and make you new and you're wondering what everyone's going to think. Maybe you're kind of new to church and you just have a lot of questions, but what you know is, I, I need that. Wherever you may be in that, I want to encourage you today, what a perfect time here at Christmas to receive the gift of salvation that was given to you because of God's great unmerited love. So this is what the Lord is stirring in your heart. I want to encourage you right now at this moment, you just simply say, Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for my sin, for my crimes that I deserve to be punished for rose again forgive me of my sin take all of that away from me I trust you to give me new life if that is the prayer that's in your heart I want to encourage you here in just a moment going to be finished. I'm going to be down front. Pastor Ryan will be down front. You can come up and talk with either one of us. Uh, if someone, if you came with someone, uh, you're welcome to talk with them. Also, uh, there's a number, 910-424-1298. That's our connect number. You can just text the word connect to that number and just let us know that you're interested in following Christ and we'll be in touch with you to, to uh, pray with you and encourage you and help you in any way that we can. We want you to take that step, that great amazing gift that's given to you in love. As we transition to end our service here today, um, for all of us, uh, if you are a guest with us here today, thank you so much for being here with us. 
Uh, we're so glad that you're here. Again, for you, also, we would love to know that you're here. Uh, you can come up and introduce yourself to us, or again, you can text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. Just text the word CONNECT there. We'll send you a link. Tap on that. Let us know who you are, uh, and we'll be praying for you this week. We won't be spamming you or anything. We'll just be praying for you. So if you are a guest with us, we would love for you to do that. Uh, for everyone, real quick, a few uh, announcements just so you know what's going on uh, as we begin the new year together. Uh, one, our ladies' ministry, ladies of grace, are going to have a game night on January 21st. Uh, if you're interested in being a part of that, ladies, you can text the word GAME to our number, 910-424-1298 to sign up for that. Men's ministry has a couple of events that they're sponsoring coming up. We're going to do a, a movie night on January 29th. Uh, it's going to be for everyone, not just guys, but our men's ministry is going to sponsor this and run with this. Uh, they're going to watch the, the movie War Room, if you uh, heard about that or watched that. We're going to be uh, watching that here. If you're interested in being a part of that, you can text the word MOVIE to 910-424-1298 to know what's, uh, how many to prepare for that. And then also for our guys, uh, in conjunction with our military ministry, they're going to be on uh, January 15th. Uh, they're going to do some repair work for the bonfire we have in the back and then have a bonfire. A chance just to come together and hang out. It's going to be January 15th. Uh, guys, if you'd like to come be a part of that, you can text bonfire uh, to sign up for that so we know uh, who to prepare for for that as well. And then lastly, uh, new members class. We're going to start our first new members class for 2022, January 16th. Uh, if you want to sign up for that, just text member to our number, 910-424-1298. To get you signed up for that, for every other announcement, anything that's going on, you can download our app, iTunes or Google Play, Southview Baptist Church app. You'll get up to speed, know everything that's going on uh, around here. In addition to that, you can give through the app. Uh, two main ways to give, give online through the app or in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. But we would encourage you to be faithful and generous as God leads you. We love you guys so much. And it's so great that the love we have for one another comes entirely from the love that God has first shown us. Because He loves us, He makes us people who now have the ability to love others unconditionally. So we love you guys. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the holidays. And we will see you next Sunday. God bless you guys. Have a great week.